Welcome to a Star Wars Story Podcast, a podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today, we will be discussing The Force Awakens, its impact on the trilogy, and all the things that we adore about our little space babies. Welcome to another episode of a Star Wars Story Podcast. I'm your host, Delaney. And I'm your other host, Brooklyn. And we are here to discuss The Force Awakens, but we're also going to discuss some of the news that we've gotten relating to Star Wars, both official news and also, like, kind of official slash fandom-related news. Um, But we've gotten a lot within the past, I would say, like, even week we've gotten a lot. And, um... Yeah, no, all the stuff that we're, like, this has all happened within the last week, all of our stuff, and, like... Pretty much from here until December, every single episode is just going to be, like, endless amounts of news. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of news. Um, The first and foremost is this Friday, October 4th, that is, is the third and final Force Friday for the sequel trilogy. And if you're not familiar with Force Friday, Force Friday is the event that Lucasfilm does in partnership with a lot of different companies, namely Target, Walmart, Toys R Us, and the like, Disney Store, um, basically is like the huge um, merchandise push prior to the release of the movie. And so there's a bunch of new stuff released on this day. Figures, clothes, like everything pretty much, like books, um, a bunch of different things. And we got to see some of it. Um if I'm gonna be honest, like, I'm really excited for that shirt that has Rose on it, but I'm so confused as to, like, why she's not included in a lot of other main content, so, um, like, I'm really excited for the shirt, but, like, if they think they're gonna, like, you know, hush me with that shirt, like, they'd be mistaken, so... Because I still want to see her as, like, a lead role in the movie. So, um, but I don't know. I I participated solely online for the first Forest Friday. And then the second Forest Friday, I did, like, the whole midnight thing at, like, Target and Toys R Us. And then this year, literally the closest Walmart event is, like, almost two hours away. And I'm probably, and that's, like, on a work night, like, on Thursday night. And I'm, like, probably gonna go. So I'm just, like, preparing to be a zombie on Friday. But... I don't know, I just, it's not even, like, I want to go and spend a lot of money on Star Wars. It's just, like, anything where there's, like, Star Wars fans coming together, even if it's in the middle of the night, it's just always really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, like, obviously there's going to be people there who, like, just want to buy stuff to, like, flip it on the internet, but there's also people there who, like, just genuinely like the community of Star Wars fans, and that's me, honestly. Um, But, Brooklyn, have you participated in a Force Friday I haven't participated in a Forest Friday. I don't think that I'm going to do it this year just because I'm not a super big, like, merch kind of person. Like, I'll buy something if I, like, really like. Like, I do have, you know, like, a handful of Funkos, but... Okay, like, honestly, that's it, though. Is like, I have, like, a handful of punk- Funkos. I have, like, a plush Porg that I got at Disneyland. And, like, that's kind of it. So that's not really, like, my jam. 
and like my family's gonna be in town this weekend so it's gonna be like crazy and but yeah i like i didn't know that it was such a big thing not just that like this is the day that everything drops like i didn't realize that people are like there at midnight oh yeah I did not yeah. realize that it was, like, because, like, everyone was, like, like, oh, and Force Friday is, like, when all the stuff dropped. And I was, like, cool, that's just, like, the Friday that, you know, they, you know, release a lot of the merch. And I was, like, oh, no, you people are, like, going places. Like, it's a thing. Yeah, I think it's much more so of a thing in, like, uh, Anaheim and Orlando because those are, like, the two big hubs yeah. for Disney. So, like the, wor- like, the world of Disney, I'm assuming, I don't know, but, like, I'm assuming it's the world of Disney and Downtown Disney in Anaheim and then in the Downtown Disney District or Disney Springs, I guess, in um, Disney World that are doing, like, the merch pushes. Um, I haven't been yeah. to those events just because I don't live in either of those areas, but um, I know that, yeah, nationwide two years ago, like, every, I think, like, most Targets had a Force Friday event, like, at midnight or, like, 10 a.m. or 11 p.m. or, like, just really, cl- like, late at night. And so I went to that one. And then this year, Target's not doing, like, any midnight events. And then Walmart's doing them, I think, in, like, 25 stores across the country. So, like, pretty limited as well for that. So yeah. I think they're, like, pulling back, um, which makes sense. Like, 2017 was just, like, huge they had so many and that was when toys r us still existed in the u.s so i remember going to toys r us and literally if you bought if you bought a single thing like just anything you could literally buy something for like buy a pop for like 10 or 12 i don't know how much they run like 10 12 dollars um you could buy one of those and then when you checked out you got like a poster and then there was like a shirt that was like it was like the like basically in the style of Funko, but it has like Ray, Chewbacca, a porg on it. And I think that's it, if I'm not mistaken. But like and I think they were all like either like I think they had like medium, large, XL, two XL. So you could like choose which one you wanted. But yeah, that was like really cool that they did that. But and then Target did like the raffle where you could win like the enormous porg. Um, which is like really fun and that's just like hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I like it just cause it's like, I mean, I honestly, I said this like so long ago, but I honestly need to like do like an online like yard sale of some of my stuff because it's getting to the point where like, I've just collected so much over time and it's not that I don't like it or want it. It's just that for me, it's not like sustainable to like be moving around constantly lugging like having all this stuff in tow um yeah so be on the lookout probably on my twitter at some point for me trying to like (laughs) yard sale off a bunch of my star stuff and it's not i mean like obviously i'm going to keep the things that are like really sentimental to me but i just have accumulated so much that it's just like i just honestly like like most of it just doesn't serve me anymore if that makes sense like that I don't know if that phrasing makes sense, but, like, just for me, like, I just can't. It's not sustainable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anyway, for those Merc people out here, October 4th, Triple Force Friday, um, I want to see what everybody gets just because I live vicariously through what other people do. So be sure to, like, yeah, tweet, if you guys, tweet if pictures. Yeah, if you guys get anything on Force Friday, which... Our episodes drop, like, Sunday morning, so this is going to happen after <laughs> Force Friday. But 
if you're listening to this and you have gotten things at Force Friday, yes, tag us in them. We want to see. Yes, them. yes, please, because I'm like that person where I know people who get annoyed seeing those like people who post what they get for Christmas, and I'm like one of those people that's like, wait, no, I want to see. Like I like I like seeing that kind of. Th- I'm really weird, but like I like seeing what other people get for like things just because it's like I it allows me to live vicariously through other people. So yeah. Tag us in those pictures. I'd love to see them. Um, also, in news that I maybe, maybe I just didn't see the sheer amount of talk about it, or maybe just there wasn't enough, or I don't really know, but we have a, can't believe I'm about to say this, we have a woman who's directing a Star Wars project. Um, so, we yeah. have. And, and yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so Deborah, so Deborah Chow is also she's a woman of color as well and so she's yes, directing exactly. the wording in the like Star Wars article is not completely like um clear but it basically it makes it 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 looks like she's going to direct all of the Kenobi series so as far as we know right now, she's the only director who is attached and we don't know if she's going to be doing the entire series or if she's just going to be doing, you know, the first couple episodes or something. But um, she is going to be serving as an executive producer as well. So even if she doesn't... Um, rec- even if she doesn't um, direct every single episode, um, it looks like she's going to be taking the role that, like, essentially that, like, John Favreau has for The Mandalorian is that's what she's yeah. going to be doing, um, which is great. We've we've talked about before together and just me and Jacqueline just on this podcast. We've mentioned how we are excited for Kenobi, but we were our biggest, like, caveat to that is that it didn't seem like a space to bring more representation into star wars which is something we like very much need um and it it seems so far that they're going to be um doing better with that at least i mean they have a woman of color as their um as their main like director and executive producer um and then also we have um i'm gonna butcher his name his name's Hassin amini um and he is going to write the show which he's um iranian so he's also like a person of color who is helping to write and hopefully you know we've talked about before that when you're on Tatooine you're also going to run into the you know Tusken Raiders and Sand People both of which are not great names for actual things so hopefully that can get handled better or um just done well but so far we have a woman of color who's directing and um a person of color who's writing it and then chow amini and you mcgregor are all executive producers on the show yeah so 
good things so far with Kenobi. This is definitely more than I had thought to hope for with Kenobi. Yeah. I did not... I definitely did not expect having a woman of color to lead the whole thing. Oh, same. That was not something that I was gonna going to think of that they were going to go for. Um, and just so you can get a sense of other things that she has done, um, Deborah Chow is also directing two episodes of The Mandalorian. So she has already worked with Star Wars. We just haven't seen it yet because it hasn't aired yet. Um... She has directed episodes of Jessica Jones, um, Better Call Saul, um, Iron Fist. Like she's she's done she's done some really good work in TV, and um, I know that particularly her Better Call Saul episode, the like I think the intro for it was like a one shot. Like it was something. It was just like a really really good cold open for that show and i know that like a lot of people talked about it when it came out and so she's just like she's great we're very star wars is very lucky to have her and we're very lucky to have her like helming this show so very excited to hear that yeah i'm honestly like really excited we got this news especially after the kevin feige news that we got so um like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even put that on the thing. I literally thought that you not putting it on our little show notes. I thought that was like a direct, just like we're just not going to address this at all. And I was like, honestly, no, like, I that's just fine. completely forgot about it. I do want to address it. I just totally forgot. <laughs> I like literally when they announced the Kenobi news, I was like, oh, they they like saw all of us just like shitting on them about their decision with Kevin Feige because like literally, I don't know, like if I mean I'm. I know not everybody in Star Wars Twitter follows all the same people, but at least in the my circle of the people that I follow, it was pretty unanimous in, like, people just being, like, literally at Lucasfilm for one dollar, name someone who's not a white man. Like, literally just, like, name somebody who's not, like, a white man. And so... Yep. Like... Yeah. So, if you don't... <laughs> if you haven't already heard, Kevin Feige is apparently going to produce... They just said a Star Wars movie so it wasn't the same as like um as like benioff and weiss or ryan johnson where like they've announced that they get like a whole trilogy it's the way that it was phrased is that he's just getting just getting like a movie but essentially he's like going to executive produce the movie and like i said this on twitter but i my thing with the way that Lucasfilm has announced, like, who is going to be its creators, especially mm-hmm. when we're talking, like, I mean, this is something that we heard with JJ, that we heard with Ryan, that we heard with Benioff and Weiss, that we are now hearing with Kevin Feige, that, like, a, a talking point or a big selling point on hiring these white men to to run star wars movies is that they're such big fans yep which (laughs) like (laughs) like star wars is just so much more diverse and is so much more 
there's there's just so much more to star to the star wars as a fandom than white men and i feel like it and largely unintentionally like it's not a bad thing to be a fan and like that is a good talking point but it's just one of those things where like you just keep hiring white men and saying that part of the reason that you know that John Favreau gets to like run the Mandalorian is because he's such a big fan of Star Wars and he loves that era and now he gets to like play in that sandbox and it's like well it kind of seems like you aren't understanding that there is so much more to this fandom than just white men and like I will say that Kevin Feige does have like I mean, a better track record than Star Wars does at the moment for producing stories that are about and for people of color and women and, like, getting women of people of color to produce those. But, I mean, he's still... He's still a white man, and we're still doing the exact same thing over and over again. Yep. Yeah, and I... It's just, like, there's certain things that just aren't taken into consideration, I think, when you have a, like, singular group of people writing a story. Um, And there's perspectives that I think are important, and there's perspectives that you're not getting when those people are in the writer's room, or they're not involved in the production of the show or like the movie and having people of color or having diverse voices in those spaces creates a way to be able to authentically tell those stories because they're coming from those voices. So I think that that's just the thing where, and especially, I mean, like kind of going back to like the Tuscan Raider and the sand people thing, like, there's just something to be said about just having people in the writer's room who can speak to their own personal experiences and maybe add some perspective that m- someone might not have just based on their personal experiences, too. So exactly. I just think, like, that's just just having representation, and it's literally, like, the bare minimum, so it's not like you're jumping through hoops to do this, because it's just the bare minimum, but... I think that we're finally at a point where, you know, people's people's voices are being heard and people are seeing representation, but there's still so so such a long way to go as far as representation and especially representation in Star Wars. So happy to see the progress we've gotten, but still excited for what's to come. Um, yes. But and speaking of progress or depending on how, depending on, like, where, you know, like, the nuance that's related to this. And I mentioned to Brooklyn prior to us recording, I literally just saw this news. Like, I think I was on Instagram, and I I saw it on Instagram. I didn't even see it on Twitter. I saw it on Instagram of all places. But Star Wars Resistance confirmed that Flix and Orca are indeed a gay couple. So we have actual confirmation from Star Wars that Flix and Orca from Star Wars Resistance are gay. Um, And, like I said, I just saw this news. Um, So, 
Brooklyn, you said you had mentioned to me when we were on the phone that you have thoughts about this. Would you like to discuss <laughs> this a little bit? When do I when do I not have thoughts about things? Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my thing. Is there's kind of a two two Okay, not even two. There's a lot of sides to this. On one hand, like, any, I won't say any representation is good representation. Because when you're, when your representation is bad or poorly written, it doesn't actually help anybody. Um, and it can even hurt if you're doing bad representation. Just in general. Not in necessarily Star Wars, although it happens in Star Wars. Just in general, not all representation is equal. Um, and I just very much hope that this is not one of those things where if you read the article, then you know that they're gay, but we're never actually going to say it on the show kind of thing. Yep. You know, like, we kind of had a similar fake out when there was all of this hype about, like, the first gay character in... A Marvel movie and it was like Joe Russo in a like cameo spot using a you know a male pronoun to describe someone who he went on a date with like that is the extent of the first gay character in Marvel so we've just had that all the time happen where it's like look 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 we have representation we have representation and you know it's a throwaway line or it's not even mentioned you have to like go read a comic to actually see that they're you know a couple or whatever um i will say that in general right now children's animation is like one of the most diverse and is like one of the best mediums right now in terms of lgbtq representation um so there is that like this is this is a platform that has kind of become a safer space um to to have this representation so it's one of those where it's a it's I'm glad that it's happening. Please don't just say this in the article and then never actually do it on the show. And also the fact that like these are technically our these are our first gay characters that we have seen confirmed on screen. We've had gay characters in like comics and things and we've had situations where like like um holdo for instance is confirmed as somewhere yeah, was, like on the bi pan spectrum in, yeah i was um, just gonna mention that as like in an Leia, example princess of alderaan and we do see her on screen but we don't if you just i didn't know that about holdo until i read Leia, princess of alderaan and I didn't read Leia Princess of Alderaan until, like, a couple of months ago. So, like, 
I, I just, yeah, don't want that to happen again. And there's something to be said that, like, the first on-screen representation that will potentially confirm being gay on screen is a non-human couple. Yeah. Which, like, you know, it like, it's, it's good. And there's, you know, a lot of different creatures and things in, you know, this galaxy far, far away. But it just makes it... It makes it seem more othering when it's, you know, two aliens who are, you know, who are gay. Or, and especially because, you know... Aliens often get coded as people of color because there aren't a lot of people of color in space, apparently. Just not just in Star Wars. It's something that happens through a lot of sci-fi. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those things where I am excited and I hope that they can that they just capitalize on the possibilities that they have before them and that this is just the start of a trend that will continue to progress from here to get more and more representation while also recognizing that, like, this is, you know, you can do better and you got to keep doing better. And we're going to... It's one of those things where, you know, we as fans, like, with, with Lucasfilm, it's not, like... You give us this crumb and you're good for a while. Like, we're still going to hold you accountable if your representation is good or bad or that you need more of it. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of feelings with it. But I think evening everything out, I am excited for it. But, yeah. I, I get it. I agree. I completely agree. There needs to be, like, actual representation and not just, like, And I think that that's the thing that a lot of people complain about. I mean, like, especially with, like, the Holdo thing was wild. And even though I did, I read Leia, Princess of Alderaan, like, within the week that it came out. So I knew. But even so, you're putting it in a secondary piece of material, which you know most, like, a lot of the general public who are going to see The Force Awakens will not have read, will not have, like, consumed by the time they go to see that movie and so having that be like oh this is your this is the like the character who's on the lgbtq plus spectrum and this is where you'll find that out and it's like the references like the book and people are like what and it's just very like like i would (laughs) not i i don't count holdo as on-screen lgbtq representation no, she's not on screen she's LGBTQ. Not. She no. in in a book there is re- representation in that there are a few casual conversations, you know, there are a few like casual mentions of her like finding other people attractive who are not necessarily like cis human males and one conversation with Holdo and Leia where she basically says that like Leia saying that she is only ever attracted to, like, human males is, like, boring and that she should, you know, it's much more exciting when you're attracted to everyone. And, like, that's it. So. Yeah. 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 Just again, Star Wars still has a ways to go 
for LGBTQ representation, and this is a step in the right direction, And but that still means you have to keep walking. 100%. Um, in, like, kind of wild fandom-related news, um, and I'm referring directly to Caitlin from Sky Talkers, um, we have confirmation from JJ himself about the method of repair of Kylo's helmet and how it is similar to the Japanese methods of repair of like repairing pottery. And that is crazy. And it's very, very cool for, especially for Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin, if you're listening to this, um, especially yeah, for so Caitlin. So essentially what happened was when we saw in the, in the teaser trailer, you see that Kylo's mask is getting like welded <laughs> back together. And at the places where it's getting welded together, it doesn't just become like this kind of new black nope. mask. You can still see like the red and like the gold in between, like where he like welded the mask back together. Yeah, um, he's got like that red like glitter glue. He's doing the red yeah, glitter glue repair. Yeah, he's got the glitter glue and he's using it. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He's having an arts and crafts day. Um, mm-hmm. And Caitlin from Sky Talkers, um, who that's like what she does is in like art and museum curation. Like that's her actual like real person job. Um, yes. But <laughs> yes. she made the connection that. Um, it was very similar to the Japanese concept of um, kintsugi, which is re- how you repair broken pottery with, like, you use gold to put it back together. And that breaking something is part of its history. It's not something to hide. Um, and... Caitlin wrote, like, a whole article on it and a whole piece on it. Um, and essentially in a, um, in a interview, J.J. Abrams referenced that method and saying that's why they wanted... Basically what Caitlin said is exactly what J.J. was thinking when they had the mask be the way that it was. Um, and which is super cool and awesome for Caitlin. Um... I will say, just at Star Wars, stop culturally appropriating everything everywhere forever. Like, <laughs> we, will, we, will, we will have, like, a full episode someday about the cultural appropriation within Star Wars, which is just almost a, like, key aspect of Star Wars at this point is just the cultural appropriation of it. And so it's one of those things where this is really cool and I do really like the concept of it and I think it's awesome that like not only did Caitlin and other fans point that out, but that that is exactly what the creators were thinking. Um, But also, stop, please. (laughs) Truly. Um... Yeah, that's really cool for Caitlin, and I'm, like, blown away by that, like, official confirmation, just because that's, like, the ultimate validation of your meta that you wrote. (laughs) So that's very, very wild, and I'm very excited. 
We did get a look at Rise of Resistance for Galaxy's Edge. Um, I feel like now that both parks are open, even though that ride, I mean, like, even though we're still anticipating that ride, I'm just so, like, at this point, like, both rides are open. I've seen so much content, because now it's not the unknown. Now it's, like, we've seen, like, I see pictures almost on the daily of people that I know who are in Galaxy's Edge. Um, Yeah. So it's, like, for me, I've kind of just detached myself from, like, any news coming from that. Honestly, just because I'm, like, at this point, I'm just, like, okay, like, I... I'm ready to go. Like, I've seen so much. I don't want to see any more, if that makes Same. sense. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, like, super anticipatory of it anymore, just because we do know a lot of it, and it is um, just something that, like, we, I don't know, that I'm familiar with, and it's one of those things where, like, I, I know that I'm going to get to Galaxy's Edge eventually, um, so Freeform, which used to be ABC Family, which is obviously run by Disney, did, like, a whole special on, I think it was technically, like, about Galaxy's Edge in general, but it was brought, or it, it had a special, like, focus on, um, the Rise of the Resistance ride, which is the only ride that isn't out yet um and it was it was really it was really cool um i i only saw clips of it that other people posted on twitter i don't know if they ever posted it anywhere in its full form um but you can go check that out if that's something that you're into um they gave like details of I mean, they had interviews with Oscar Isaac and John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and showed them, like, filming their parts for the ride and just kind of how they, how the ride fits into kind of the quote-unquote canon and, like, the prep that they did and what they got to see and stuff. So there is, like, some really cool bits in there. Um, So you can go and find that if you can. I don't know if they've actually put that up anywhere. (laughs) um i also want to make a correction in our show notes because i as well as brooklyn thought that resistance reborn was out today it's actually out november 5th (laughs) i literally i literally saw something and i was like wait i need to check to see when that book is out and then it was like november 5th i'm like wait what's up like what's up so i would have bet like very good money (laughs) that i was right like, I put it in the show notes that I was right. I know. So, um, but even though, even though it's not out today, we did get an excerpt from it on StarWars.com. Um, and I'm pretty sure that one of the lines in the excerpt is, no one can save Ben but himself. So. Yep. Antis, Which, where is your yes. where is your god now? <laughs> I'm yes. just kidding. I'm kidding. But um, yeah, so it essentially the in the in the in the excerpt it includes a conversation between Ray and Leia where they're talking about Kylo Ren and it yeah at, at one point um. So the, so the part we're talking about is Ray says he wanted me to join him, but I couldn't. I thought I could help him, but he only wanted me to become like him. Ray's face fell, and Leia could see the pain etched there. The girl cared about Ben, and he had disappointed her. 
Ben has made his choices, Leia said. No one can save Ben but himself, and I don't know if that is what he wants. Which, hi, please stab me in the heart a few more times. That would be great. Truly. (laughs) Um, And I think it's just very, like, very in, like, the vein of what a lot of, what what a good section of, like, Kylo fans have been talking about especially in terms of like Ben Demption is that and I think that it really is key for you know I am you know right there with you joking around that like you know Kylo has never done anything wrong in his entire life um but you know you also have to if we're actually gonna like talk about it deeply um, there are yeah. there are people who, when you get into those like actual like deeper conversations trying to dissect this story, who just minimize everything that Kylo has done and either have excuses for why something bad that he did is not actually his fault and therefore he doesn't need to be forgiven from it or that like he had a good reason. Just like a lot of talking around you know as much as we love kylo as a character and that we want you know ben Demsha, he is the villain like he has done bad and terrible things yes and i think that the only way at least for me and i've said this before like i i want that arc to happen for kylo ren but i also it is i also want it to be done well And part of it being done well is acknowledging that all of the wrong that he has done and been a part of. And I think that that is a line that, at least in this excerpt of Resistance Reborn, is, like, what Leia is talking about. And I think that she's said that, you know, in any scene where Leia, that we've had Leia talking about her son this is basically the the narrative that she is projecting that like of course she still loves her son of course she wants him to come back and she also recognizes that him coming back is his own choice and he might not want that and even if he does choose to come back there are still consequences with that and there is still that layer of you know, he has done bad things and he's going to have to try to atone for them on some level. And it's just oh, so good. So, yeah. so, so good. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited for Resistance Reborn. Definitely thought it came out today. LOL, same. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last little bit of Star Wars news is we got... The Empire Magazine photos and cover photos for their um, The Rise of Skywalker edition. Um, And we got a really, like, mysterious but really cool maskless Kylo photo. Um, And then... I have zero idea what's happening in this (laughs) I'm so confused. Yeah, it's really mysterious. Um, yeah, it it's it's essentially in a hang it's like in a hangar of like a first order ship or whatever, and it's like 
washed in like a very like that blue teal light that has been you know kind of the theme for Tross so far and there's like a giant like gust of wind I guess that is like pushing against everyone and in the back there's all of these stormtroopers that are like falling over each other and Kylo is standing there and so like his hair and his cape is getting like like flushed back behind him and he's holding his his uh helmet and like that is the snapshot and like I have no idea contextually what is happening in that moment. I do have to say that like everyone else falling over and Kylo just like standing there not falling down out of like sheer will is like very good characterization here. But um yes, it's just I have no idea what's going on, but it does look very pretty. So I'm excited. We love him. Um, with with caveats, but you know what I mean. Um, so, now that we've gotten through the news, let's get into the meat, or the, I guess, the, the protein of this episode, um, which is The Force Awakens. So, this is the first movie of the sequel trilogy, obviously. We made it. We made it. talking about the sequel trilogy in every single episode. Now it's, like, actually relevant, because now we're actually talking about the sequel trilogy, so we don't have to reference the sequel trilogy in every episode. Now we can just, like, talk about it. Um, This movie, obviously, like, I know people who, like, went and saw the original Star Wars in theaters, or, like, even the prequels, like, those are really sentimental for them for that reason, for me, that's how the sequel trilogy is, even though I wouldn't, yes. even though I, even though I don't consider The Force Awakens or even The Last Jedi to be my favorite, favorite Star Wars movie, they still are so near and dear to my heart because I got to watch them for the first time ever in a theater full of other fans and it was just like the most unique experience and for that alone these will always be special to me and I love these movies so much but we get a lot of really good really 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 good stuff at the very beginning of the of this movie like I don't think I think it's I think the way that we're introduced to Poe, Ray, and Finn at the very beginning is really, mm-hmm. really, really perfect because we get we get Poe in the very beginning with Laura Santeca and we and that's a really like we we meet Poe, but it's like we really don't know hardly anything about him other than the fact that he's like in the resistance and he's working under Leia and like that's pretty much it. And like BB-8 is destroyed. Like that's pretty much all we know about Poe himself. And then we get, like, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to skip over parts, but we get Ray's intro, which is, like, the flash of her face, and then Finn's intro, which is, like, the flash of his face. So it's, like, really, like, centered mm-hmm. on just, like, showing you the characters, like, just yeah, the, letting I you mean, have the, a moment. The, the introduction of our trio here is just so deliberate and is just, yeah, it's so good. I mean, any movie that starts off with just, like, Oscar Isaac sitting in good lighting and just, like, zoomed in on his face for, like, three straight minutes is just, like, you're in for a good time. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it's just so deliberate. And the the way that it just, it really just shifts goes straight from, like, Poe to Finn to Ray and just, like, giving 
each their own just little little bit of introduction before you like really get into everything and it is it's so good and you also get in here the introduction of kylo so you have like essentially our four main character or our three main characters and then our villain yeah all get introduced just in very very specific and very like just deliberate way so you have you know poe who is you know already like kind of suave and you see him with an x-wing like we know what an x-wing is he has bb-8 which like you fall in love with him immediately and he is different but is similar enough that it's like okay we know what this is and you have kylo who like comes down in his ship like we know that feeling of you know the and we know what stormtroopers are and i honest like kylo stopping the blast mid-air from poe and then it just hanging there for the entire scene until he leaves yeah like i honestly think that was like that was the moment that i was sold on him as a character from yeah. like that beat right there and like just 100 like i am just like okay i love him what, what is his story like i did like I, at that point i didn't know he was like han and leia's son i didn't know that like i didn't know anything about him i just had that scene and like i was i was there for kylo from from that moment yeah, I honestly, they did a really good job at making him like the villain you love to hate, even from the very beginning, because like you get this, you get this dialogue where it's like, you like you didn't rise from the dark side, like all this stuff. And he's like, oh, like whatever. And then he just is like, kill them all like this, like this, like village of like these innocent villagers and like, is just very, like seemingly merciless, very relentless and they open it up and they're like, yeah, this is the bit or well, this is what we assume is the big bad from the from the first movie. So not that we really but like from this first moment, from this very first moment alone, we're like, oh, this is like our big bad, which now we know that's not true. But that's what you know, they do a really good job at making him the villain. Um, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion, I really like I feel really convinced after that first little introduction we get. Um I am obsessed with the with basically like everything we get about the intro scene with Ray, and I'm not just referring to her introduction where she's actually like scavenging for parts, but I'm also referring to her, you know, finding BBA and taking him from rescuing him from Tito, and then like like I'm just really like I love everything about that. I think it's handled so well. I think honestly. None of the introductions seem forced, at least to me. Like, everything Mm -hmm. feels very seamless, very natural, very organic. Um, And I feel like that's one of those things. Additionally, I love the introduction that we get from um, Ray and Finn together, how they meet. Um, I think it's Mm -hmm. really, really funny. Um, And I think it's... And I think it really does serve their characters well, too, because... Ray obviously super protective, doesn't trust anyone, honestly for good reason. She's been burned. Um and then Finn gen like 
I feel like, you know, you can just tell he just he just wants to help. He's just trying to help. He's confused. He doesn't know who he can trust either. So they're both kind of going into this like, okay, like, I feel like you're legit, but like, let's hold on a second until we like fully commit, you know, like we have to figure out who each other is kind of thing. And I really like yeah. that moment where it's like the moment where, you know, he rec- BB-8 recognizes the jacket. Pin has, Finn has to, exp- I just called him Pin. What am I talking about? Um, can we edit that out? Um, anyway, I'm tired. Um, Finn is wearing the jacket. <laughs> Finn's wearing the jacket. BB-8 recognizes it. And then they have that whole, like, oh, wait, what? Like, where did you get that? And then, like, it's explained. But, no, I, I really love that introduction. I think it's really funny. Ray, like, ch- chasing him down is, just, like, through the market is, like, perfect. Um, but I, I love that. And I love that we pretty much know who these characters are as people, within like the first few minutes of meeting them essentially like totally is yeah like it's like we know exactly who they are and i think i don't i just don't i don't know what to credit that to but like i just like it's very authentic the characters are very authentic i think there's a i think it's just the fact that there was a clear vision with each of these characters and each of the actors just completely understood what that vision was and were able to portray it on screen because i just all of these characters are very, very authentic and real and in in their own ways. And I really like it. Um, but I, I really like that additionally, even though, like, even though we, we don't know at this point early on in the movie that Kylo's related to Han and Leia, there's just subtle clues in his personality that you can just tell um, that those are his parents, I feel like. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, uh, like and- the, amount, <laughs> the amount of, like, snark just in the first, like, meeting that we have with him is just like, um, hi, yeah, of course he's, like, a Skywalker and also Han's son. Like, have you met Leia, Han, Anakin, Luke, like, any of them? Yes, he is their son. Like, it just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so perfect. Um, and I love that. I just, I, I just love, like, all of their conversations as they're slowly starting to realize everything. Like, Finn's starting to realize, like, who Ray is. Ray starting to realize, oh, like, Finn's from the Resistance, supposedly from what he's telling her um and them trying to do their best to get off of Jakku like just literally taking any ship they can and literally the moment in in this movie the first time I ever watched this where and I'm sure everybody who watched this on opening night can agree or they have the same experience but when she says like the garbage will do and it pans over and it's the Millennium Falcon I just remember like everybody in the audience having some sort of like verbal reaction like just like something oh, yeah like something just auditory like, oh boy oh <laughs> yeah boy. yeah like like it doesn't it didn't have to be like a word but like some everybody said something like it didn't matter what it was and so i was just like that moment was so cool and i i loved i love all i thought i think that everything with like 
anything related to like the legacy characters and honestly like the millennium falcon is a legacy character in my mind like i'm just gonna like name that um but i love all i feel like all the introductions and how they handled all of that was really organic too and very authentic especially with like han and leia and then even luke towards the end i just felt like it made sense um but I love also the, just every introduction to where we have like, what's your name? And like the FN2187, it's like, oh, I'm not calling you that. I'm calling you Finn. And then like, and being like, I'm Finn. And Ray being like, I'm Ray. And just like, just very like, so cute. And like, just like, I, I love it. It's very simple, but it's very cute. Um, also, like, I, okay, I can, I can say that I wasn't, a TFA Raylo. So I wasn't like reading into all these lines or all these moments, but now like going back and watching it and like watching Kylo freak out and be like, what girl? And like freak out. I'm just like, how do I want to interpret this? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, no, a lot of people have interpreted that in different ways. I always just kind of saw the, like, what girl line as something that is, like... Like, to me, it, it, it looks closer to, like, this dude has already told him so many bad things. And I was like, what girl? Like, I knew all of the factors before now. And now there's a whole new, like, now there's something else to add into this equation. Kind of vibe. And so that's how I always, I just thought it was like really funny in that set where it's just like, what girl, like what now kind of thing. That's how I always saw. I know that a lot of people have like different ideas about like, you know, if that line is any indication of their, like their connection through the force or anything. Um, but yeah, that's how I always interpreted it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's such an interesting line. It's one of those things that like changes like when I rewatch it, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely like there's a lot of different interpretations. Um, and then we get to the, I think this was the first time. And I mean, like, I don't, I am a huge, I know like it's kind of like the lines are divided. You're, I feel like in a lot of ways you're either a Luke girl or you're a Han girl. That might not be true, but I feel like in a lot of ways that is true. And mm. I'm a Han girl. I have been always. And um, same. The the first time I ever I think remember like crying, crying like in regards to the trailer is when we saw the Chewy were home moment in the trailer and like just losing it and like oh because yeah (laughs) because like for me that was just so it just seemed so natural and I was like oh my god this is perfect and seeing it in the context of the movie was just even better and Mm -hmm. I love it so much and that moment was so meaningful for me um when I first saw it um honestly every like the way that they were able to write Han's character, like, to make it make sense for his age, but also make it make sense for his personality, it was just so good, like, in this movie. Um, 
I love the I love the scene where we like obviously have like the standoff with Kanja Club and like the Rathars and mm-hmm. everything. It's just so wild and it's so fun and it's so like Star Wars. It's so like campy Star Wars. Um and I just love that scene. I think it makes so much sense. Um also, like, I'm gonna be like perfectly honest. <laughs> When I first saw this movie, um, I, like, when when they showed Snoke, li- okay, this, go easy on me, but, like, when I first saw this movie, I literally thought that's how big Snoke was, because I couldn't tell that it was, like, like, when, like, the thing faded out, like, I couldn't tell that it was, like, a projection, because I was, like, so tired that, like, I, like, my eyes just, like, weren't working right, I guess. So I was just, like, I don't understand, like who like i i don't get this like what is going on no i mean that's how i thought that snoke was i mean i think that was i mean before last jedi came out i think that was that was a question was like so how big is snoke yeah like i remember watching like the last jedi and being like oh he's like person sized he's like a normal sized person yeah and like being a little thrown by that yeah yeah, literally, that's that's actually how I felt. There, pr- pretty much that, and then, like, there's a few moments like that that happened for me. Um, but in that moment, we also get the like the big reveal that Han and Leia are Kylo's parents, which I remember also got in like an audible reaction from at least the crowd that I was watching the movie with. People were oh, like, yeah. "What's up?" Like, it got an what- audible reaction from me. Yeah, like, what did you just say to me? What did you just say to me right now? Like, huh? Um, but yeah, that was really wild. Um, I love the moment where uh, Han is talking to Finn and Ray and is like, you know, like, I didn't used to believe in the Force, but like, I've seen it with my own eyes pretty much, and I believe in all of it now. And I think I've mentioned this on a previous podcast episode, but there's literally a moment, and I, if you go and watch the movie, you'll see it, but there's a moment where Rey literally just says, the Jedi were real. Like, the Jedi were real. That's how she says it. That's the tone of voice in which she says it. The Jedi were real. And in my, like, like, tired stupor, I heard, like, the Jedi were real, which I thought, like, were real was, like, one word. So I was like, what's a what's a Jedi were real? Like, I thought it was, like, something that had to do with, like, a Jedi temple or something. And I spent, like, so... Uh, probably, like, an, probably an unreasonable amount of time, like, wondering when that was going to come into play in the movie. <laughs> and How then tired I wa- were you the first time you saw this movie? Like, re- dude, remember I did I did the seven movie marathon starting at like three a.m. Oh, you're right. I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> I was so tired. That was a mistake. It was okay. Well, well, well. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that's it's a it's up for debate. Um, but yeah, I was really tired when I first saw this movie, and so yeah, that was a thing. Um, I love 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 the introduction to Takodana. love it love it it's perfect it's everything it's everything Ray to me looking in there and just being like i didn't know there was this much green in the whole galaxy breaks I, my heart i want I to die my desert <laughs> child to be safe same and he loves and happy forever 
Same. Like, literally, and honestly, I'm gonna say this right now, Maz does not get enough love. I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. Like, Maz Kanata does not get enough love or attention, like, from anyone. From fandom, from, like, the movies. Like, I... <laughs> I love her so much, um, and she's an icon. She's legendary. She is someone I aspire to be. She is who I want to be when I grow up. Like, I love Maz, and, like, the scene that we get with her. And, like, honestly, Lupita Nyong'o, like, nails it. Like, nails it. And I am just so grateful that we get her as a character, She's everything to me. Um, but yeah, I I love and I love the like the reimagined cantina music that we get too. I think that's really cool. Um just like just wanna point that out. I think it's really neat. And the fact that I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm pretty sure JJ sings on that track with Lin Manuel Miranda. So No like he a, does. Yeah, fun fact if you didn't know that um yeah no the like song that the is like playing the like cantina song equivalent of this movie is Lin-Manuel Miranda and J.J. Abrams on the vocals yeah so like yo what's up um also literally oh my gosh I didn't even realize this until Brooklyn pointed it out and now my brain is broken but um we get this like really cool force vision scene, like so cool. And I th- I honestly think about the scene a lot, if I'm being honest. But Brooklyn pointed out that the rainy Kylo slash Ray conversation is the only thing we haven't seen yet. And now my brain's broken, so I can't talk anymore. Um, well, you didn't you didn't realize that? No, dude. What? No. Yeah. No. The only thing. Yeah. So between. Between Force Awakens and Last Jedi, everything that is shown in Rey's Force vision is, like, quote-unquote accounted for, except for the scene that where it's super rainy and Kylo has his mask on and the Knights of Ren are also there. That's yeah. the only thing we haven't seen yet, which... We have seen all of those things in Rise of Skywalker. Damn. Wow. It really be like that. We'll see! Um, it really about to be like that. Um, um, we get this, like, extremely extra speech from Hux. Like, extremely. Um, super, super extra. Uh... (laughs) uh god i love these notes um if y'all again i just we should just share these notes like on our twitter or something because there's so many things we just don't read that are just like so good um namely one of them being poe being alive is the most beautiful thing it is poe just poe just existing is the most beautiful sequence is great first of all the march of the resistance slaps okay it does it does it, it, does, is it does such a good piece of score it's, it's a banger amazing. it's a it's banger so good then you see that poe's alive and you're like um yes hi baby oscar isaac come back to me and then you have like the great sequence of poe just being this like 
really good pilot and Finn just looking up and being like, that's one hell of a pilot. And then Poe like yeehawing, yelling. And I'm just like, I love two husbands. They're I love, so in love. I love my husbands who have been in a loving relationship for years and they have a little baby droid and um yeah i'm gonna go cry um now all you gotta do is make a canon lucasfilm that's all you gotta do um but yeah that that's like a really cool scene we and this is something you would think like as someone who's a raylo i would think about this more and i really don't but we get this bridal carry scene between kylo and ray and i again you would think that is me like a person like me who's a raylo would think about this more often and i just honestly don't but that's a thing that happens and i i know that that was a very big like holdover thing for especially like tfa raylos that like yeah, carry was big. Yeah, I think that's why I don't think about it as much because we get so much content in TLJ that I'm just like, oh, I can like survive off that for now. But yeah. we, but we do get like a good amount of content. I get or like I guess for the time, like it was you good. Get, you get a lot of like Ray Kylo interaction more than yeah because I think that in in Last Jedi, but essentially most of their interaction with other people like for Kylo is pretty much all of his scenes are with Rey almost entirely and then for Rey it's kind of split between Kylo and Luke for you know just the majority of scenes that they have and so I think that we just think of that that just comes to mind so much clearer but we do get a good amount of Rey and Kylo interaction in yeah Force Awakens um we get leia up in this up in this galaxy um leia arrives and we we get leia and literally like leia's there and then han's there and then a fucking course c-3po happens to be there because of course a fucking course he's there like literally literally Just interrupting the moment being the c-3po that he is i like why does c-3po have to be so c-3po you know what i mean like why does he have to be so c-3po that's a good question. um that's a good question. i just don't i just don't get it but anyway yeah but yeah leia finally leia finally gets here and yes. i do have to say so jj said like multiple times especially in the like um, behind the scenes stuff for Force Awakens that he originally had planned to have Leia in the movie a lot earlier. There are some, I know that there's at least one com- like complete deleted scene with um, Leia and oh, what's her name? Someone, the, her character is in Bloodline. I can't remember what her name is. It's like Cassie or something. I don't remember. You're asking she, like the wrong person. I know. As someone I know. who didn't finish Bloodline. <laughs> I know. We both had to finish Bloodline. Um, but <laughs> that character, she sends that character to Hosnian Prime and that deleted scene, which would have been like kind of in the first half of the movie, would have set up that Hosnian Prime is the capital and given us more of like an emotional punch because that's my thing is when they did when the first order destroys Hosnian Prime like there is no 
like punch behind it at all like you don't really know what plant like you just know that those are very populous planets you don't really realize when you're watching the force awakens and the only reason you do realize is not even by watching the last jedi like you have to have you know watched resistance or watched like i read something read extra materials to know that like that was the capital of like the new republic and by taking out the hosnian prime system they essentially took out the entire new republic which is like why leia has such a hard time finding allies in the last jedi and like it i i understand why j because jj said that i believe it was that he wanted our first like introduction to leia to be her seeing Han like like he wanted that scene to be her first scene and that couldn't happen until you know this point in the story um and he didn't want to like introduce Leia in like this tangent way that she's not quite tied back into the story um which on one hand like I get that and I do still like her interaction um, I just wish that we had gotten more Leia in Force Awakens and especially the scene that we do have of her, like, it would have really helped make more sense to the implications of what the First Order was doing. But at the same time, JJ deciding to not have her character come in until that point is honestly a a big reason why there is so much unused footage of Carrie Fisher which is essentially why we're gonna get to have her in this movie so like yeah I wish we would have had more Leia in Force Awakens but it essentially gave us Leia in Rise of Skywalker even like post Carrie's passing so yeah no, I'm I'm glad that we have that footage. Um, I'm like it did maybe yeah I like maybe frustrated me right after the Force Awakens came out. And I was like, why didn't we have as much? But now, like in in hindsight, I'm grateful for it for sure. Yeah. Um, I love all the little quips we get, like Leia saying, "Don't say the Death Star," like in reference to like, well, when you know, like when does this ever happen? And she's like, "And don't say the Death Star." Um, just and the I love- Han Leia banter is like yes. as soon as they're back together, like yes. right back at it. I'm just like, they haven't changed. No, <laughs> it's literally them. it's literally so cute. I love it. Um, I yeah, I love it so much. Also, like every time I watch this movie and we see the interrogation scene and he like takes off his helmet, I'm literally just like. I'm drooling. Like, just straight up. Okay. Um. I... (laughs) I find maskless Kylo Ren... Not so much in in the, like, forest snow battle, but in the interrogation scene, just, like, his turtleneck is just so high. Like, he just looks a little dorky. You're right. Like, he just looks a little... Like, I... Totally 100% the reveal. Like, they're, you know, highly quoted J.J. Abrams saying that, like, you know, you take off the mask and it's actually a prince. Like, (sighs) what are you trying to do to us, J.J. Abrams? Um, (sighs) 
but like no he does like he does and like his hair all is all swoopy and like you know you can see it and like that is not your ex- when you see a masked villain at this point in star wars you're expecting the mask to come off and be like this very scarred very you know broken you know at some level like very like robotic individual and it's not at all and i feel like it comes off and you're like oh okay and then like 30 seconds later you're like wait why why though you're you're just that dramatic you don't need it you're you're just you're just that extra cool good to know yeah literally i love that and i love like literally i think it was i I'm pretty sure it was after the movie came out, or maybe it was before. I don't remember if they even would have dropped this information. But when they were like, oh, by the way, that random stormtrooper that's in that interrogation room that, like, Ray Jedi mind tricks, yeah, that's Daniel Craig. I'm just like, Yeah, that's huh? James Bond. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what's up? What's up? Um, That's, like, the weirdest, but also just, like, best cameo for whatever reason. I just, like, love it so much. Um, right? Yeah. Well, they did a similar thing for um tom hardy in um the last jedi but his yes, ended they up being did. cut yes they did you're right they did do that um yeah i like they were just like by the way also like i don't i mean i just obviously like just like sheer star power and everything like is just like a difference but I love, like, the Gareth Edwards cameo we get in TLJ. Like, I just love, like, the little cameos we get in these movies. They're really, really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Um, again, back to the Han Leia banter. Like, I just, like, oh, God, like, Leia just, you know, telling Han, like, telling him, like, you know, it was always, you know, like, I always hated watching you leave and Han being like, that's why I did it. And that's I'm just, why like, I left. And I'm like man Bruh. you know what you're doing B- boy if you don't um yeah um lol at like just after watching like solo and like seeing the millennium falcon in its prime and then just seeing it like in this movie and like just seeing it literally fall apart i'm just like <sighs> like can you just please like can you just please take your ship to like the spaceship repair shop like the auto repair shop just like once in a blue moon please please just to just to keep it up to snuff um i i can't believe that it's been this entire episode and we haven't mentioned captain phasma but we're doing it now um i think the reason is because we just do not get her character at all in these movies and it's really, really, it's really a damn shame. Um, because Gwendolyn Christie is an amazing act, is amazing, is just like an amazing accomplished actor. And how do you have Gwendolyn Christie and that's all you do with her? I know like, it's, at Star Wars, it's a but shame. Also, Loki at Game of Thrones too. Like you did not utilize her the way you should have. Yeah, it's 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 a shame. Um, and I. That's, like, just one of, I think, the losses of this trilogy is that they did not utilize her nearly to the ability that they could have with the level that she could be bringing to these movies with the level of expertise and the level of, um, like, she's just such an accomplished actor. So, to just have someone 
in these movies like that and you're just gonna make them disposable it's just really really like just a shame um i i really this is the part that's always like really hard for me to talk about but like the the part where han confronts kylo on that little like bridge essentially i like the first time i saw this movie like i'm gonna be really honest like the first time i saw this movie this happened like this scene happened and i do not think up until this moment or up until actually probably up until the last jedi up until i had watched the force awakens i had not cried this hard I think either at a movie and or in a movie theater, period, like, at a scene ever in my life, like, until I watched Hondai, and, like, I think it, like, to be perfectly honest, like, I had honestly seen a spoiler regarding this, but I had seen it, like, three days prior to the movie, so I just spent, like, those Mm. three days trying to convince myself that it didn't, it wasn't gonna happen, and it did happen, and I don't know, I just, this really, like, really signified for me like this sequel this trilogy is not about these characters like and it and i didn't go into this trilogy thinking it would be but i i guess i just wasn't ready for that and like i'm not gonna be ready for any of them to you know i'll I'll never be ready for any of them to leave but like with luke like it was sad but but it wasn't, like, me just, like, choking on, so- like, my sobs, like, with Han. And it was just, like, so emotional for me to watch that. And it was honestly really hard, like, I think probably, like, the first four times I saw the movie in theaters. Um, and then, like, by that fifth time, I think it got, like, a little easier. But it just was really, really hard to, like, process. Just because I'm, like, I love this character so much. Like, so viscerally do I love this character. And... Now he's gone. (laughs) I didn't believe that he was actually dead until the credits started rolling. Like, I remember the first time I watched Force Awakens, I was just sitting there for, like, the last, you know, however many minutes are left after, you know, Kylo runs home through. And just being like, okay. And now he's back. Yeah. Okay, and now uh, he's he's gonna be on the Falcon with Chewie. Like, oh, well, he's gonna be, like, not until the credits rolled that I was like, oh. Oh. Oh, no, he's, like, gone, gone. Yeah, no, it was, and then it was a lot. It was a lot. And then, and then, like, seeing that to happen, and then seeing Chewie's response, which, like, also just made me sob even harder. Like, it just, like, oh, every- just everything about that scene just, like, really hurt Have me. Have you seen the, like, comic that is, like- it basically started- I, I, I mean, I saw this win Force Awakens- like, it has been a while since I saw it, but it was, like, it showed, like, Chewie watching Ben run Han through, and then, like, basically, like, in that, like- half second just like all of these like memories that Chewie would have had like with like a young Ben Solo like growing up and like 
playing with him and like the whole relationship they would have built up to that point oh like when they, when he was a kid and then flashing back to right before then like the last frame of it i think is like chewy looking at ben through like the scope on his ben ca- on his um bowcaster oh my god and like it broke me. That is and, like, like a lot. I don't like I don't know where I saw it. I don't like I could not find it again if I like tried. But like I just always think of that now. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like <laughs> a lot, a lot. <laughs> um I love like the big final battle that we get between Kylo and Ray. Oh um, yeah, this it's so this, good. this this lightsaber battle between Finn and Kylo and then Finn and Ray, I think it's my favorite. Because li- here's here's my thing, is that while the throne room scene is one of my favorite like battle scenes ever, like it's just so cool and so good. It's not really a lightsaber fight because they're not fighting each other. They're fighting together with lightsabers, whereas this is, like, a lightsaber battle. And, yeah. like, this one just absolutely blows everything outside of the water in in my mind. Like, just, A, just, I mean, again, the, this, the lights, the ability of the lightsaber in its, like, fighting ability just gets better with every single film. Like, that's just how it works. And so you get, like... You know, and, like, I I think in, in, like, the special features or something, like, John Boyega talks about, like, when you're fighting Adam Driver, he's like, he is a big dude, and he is fully swinging at you. Like, I am actually scared of, like, what's going to happen if I do not counter this blow. Like, he, like, Adam Driver is, you know, swinging for the fences when he's in this. And, like, the lightsabers that they built were able to do that and they like they built them so that that, you know you could swing as hard as you wanted and it would still like reflect light in that way which like the lighting just the you know like between like when it cast light on their faces and just with the snow like it just is so so good like every detail about that fight is just so well done and like even, like, especially one thing that I just, like, absolutely love is just the complete difference in the fighting style between F- Kylo fighting Finn and Kylo fighting Rey. Because, like, you can just see when he's fighting Finn, like, he's he's playing with him. He's toying with him. Like, he is swinging around. He's twirling around. Like, he is, you know very controlled but like is just very like he's using a lot more like movement than he needs to because he know like he knows he is that much better than finn with a lightsaber because he knows that like finn doesn't have the force he doesn't like he's just picking up a lightsaber and swinging it and like there's just this confidence that he has when he's like fighting against finn which is like Aren't. And then as soon as soon as Finn actually gets like a mark on him, like on his arm, like he actually like nicks him a little bit, then it's over and he, you know, lightsaber is out of Finn's hand and, you know, lightsaber up Finn's back. 
And then, you know, you just have, like, this beautiful, beautiful scene of just Kylo reaching for it, reaching for that lightsaber through the Force, and then it flying right past him and into Rey's face is just, like, I mean, the whole movie has been building towards this moment, and it is just so beautifully pulled off, and, like, and I love, like, with Rey, like, her face when she ignites that lightsaber, like, she is still so, like, scared. Like, when she centers herself and does that, like, she's still, like, you can still see that there is so much, like, fear in her face, but she still ignites that lightsaber anyway, and is still, like, right there ready to go and then she did then she you know they proceed to fight and he's much more off balance and he doesn't know how to handle her and you know he eventually loses and like it's just so 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 good yeah no it's it's amazing it's so it's just like I think it's just the perfect way to affirm not only Ray's growth in this movie, but where Ray's going to be going on her journey throughout the sequel trilogy. Um, and it's a way to show us that and show us like she's just getting started. Like she's oh, yeah. n- she's nowhere near being close to being done. Um, we get a well, we get the first of at least two or at least a few Leia and Ray hugs. I know we're getting one in this upcoming movie that we're going to be watching in December, but we get a really, really, really sweet moment between them. Um, and then we get the moment where finally R2-D2 is awoken and we get that last little piece to the puzzle and Ray and Chewbacca go to find Luke. They find him on this little island. And she holds out her hand with a lightsaber. And we see Luke. And we have no idea what's going to happen. Little do we know. We know that Luke's going to take that lightsaber and throw it in a very comedic way. We don't know that at this point. But... We had to wait for two years. Two years to see that To see that shit. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, I so still can't believe they ended it that way. Like, I, I'm like, you finally find Luke Skywalker, and he says nothing in the entire movie, and he like yeets the lightsaber off of the island, pretty much, um, or like at least like down a little bit. But yeah, so um, it's a really like honestly like not knowing how it's gonna how that scene is gonna end. I think the I think that cliffhanger a- ending knowing that we're going to be getting a movie in two years from that point is really good. And, oh, yeah. And I know, I mean, like, I don't like cliffhangers, but the th- I have exceptions to the rule. And the exceptions to the rule are movies that end with cliffhangers that are successfully done and also have a guaranteed movie coming out in two years. <laughs> so I know it's going to be resolved. <laughs> um, but because in any other case, I'm like, eh, well... Because, like, with books, it's, like, you don't know if, like, another book is going to be released. There's never a guarantee. Um, But these were lined up. So it's not like we're going to this movie and we're like, well, there has to be... We need to greenlight another movie. We knew it was coming. So I think it's a really good ending. Um, 
I think, I again, I really like the introduction that we get of all the legacy characters, Han, Leia, and Luke. I really like how they introduced all of them in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I like how they're handling that so far. Um, yeah. I say and that... can I just say, with... <laughs> people get so... I mean, people get mad about everything. But people get so mad about their, like... Why did Ryan Johnson do what he did? Like, why would he make Luke, like, go on an island, like, because the Jedi... Like, basically, they were like, why did Ryan Johnson characterize J.J. Abrams... Or characterize Luke in the way that he did in The Last Jedi? And, like, go back and watch The Force Awakens. Like, (laughs) Han says, like, word for word that, like... Luke was training a new generation of Jedi. One of the peoples turned against him. He couldn't handle it. Now he left. And then he left. And we don't know where he is. Like, this and, is the information that, like, Ryan Johnson had to go with. Like, And yet we get, like, the biggest re from, like, a certain corner of the fandom about this. Like, Right? There's some people like, this came out of nowhere. What are you even talking about? Like, literally... Everything that Ryan Johnson did, especially, like, in terms of Luke, is, like, teed right up for him by J.J. Abrams in The Force Awakens. And, like, J.J. Abrams himself said, like, like, the reason that he left Luke to the very end and then didn't even give Luke anything to say was, like, he did not want to deal with Luke Skywalker in his story. He was like, as soon as you put Luke Skywalker on the screen, like, he's going to overtake everything. And he was basically like, I am, like, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm just gonna leave it till the end of the movie and whoever has the next movie after me can figure out where to go from here. Like, that's what Ryan Jones was left with. And, like, he went with exactly what like just yeah just whenever people are like where did this where did the last Jedi even come from it doesn't even make sense with you know what we already had and i'm like hi you have the receipts they're right there like just learn to read are we watching the same movies i like don't understand like i literally don't understand also i'm just so i just don't know what people want at this point because we get the Force Awakens, and people are like, it's basically a new hope. J.J. Abrams played it way too safe. And then we get a last Je- The Last Jedi, and people were like, this is, this? So, this is so... This is too different from Star Wars. Yeah, this, this is, is so Star crazy. Wars. And I'm like, what, what do, you do you want? want? Literally, what do you want? Like, I don't... Like, I don't understand. Like, you don't want people to play it safe, and you don't want things that are familiar to you, and also you don't want things that are different from what you've seen. So literally, what do you like? You're not going to be happy with so you, like you so just so want to be. Want, you want the original trilogy characters back and to be an integral part of the story and to have developed as characters, but also not like that. You did that. That's not your Luke. You know, Luke God. actually being you know having aged forty years isn't you know feasible he should be able to yeah no well well, and like we're seeing these characters after so many years of not seeing them at all so like how are you how are people one to say oh well this doesn't make sense for the character oh excuse me have you been like observing them for the past like have you been talking with like i don't understand how you have the authority to say this doesn't make sense for the character when you don't know where that character has been for the past god knows how many years like 
you don't know what they've been going through. You don't know. Unless we get supplementary content that fills in every little gap of that time, then you don't know. Yeah, you don't, you haven't been with their characters. You haven't been, like, you don't know what's happened in that 40 years. And, like, you're not the same person, you know, like, I mean, I look at, like, the person that I was when I started college versus, like, me right now in, you know my yeah. fifth year of college like i'm so i'm such a different person and that's in five years like yeah this is 40 years like of course a person's going to change and like we talked about this last week with abby that like how the last jedi is just a very natural progression for luke like based on the information that we have and like a lot of the like aspects of luke's character that we'd like consider like core parts of his character are very much still there and yeah yeah, it's just the like if like the force awakens is you know it is its own movie in its own right 100 percent. but it is also just like one giant like tee up for the last jedi and like ryan johnson just he he follows through on so many of those things that are just kind of like you know lifted into the air for him he spikes it all down and so it's like yeah there are so many things that were kind of quote like common complaints for the last jedi that i'm just like oh sure go watch force awakens it's right there you just didn't want to see it and like that but also too we get a lot of questions answered in the last jedi and i'm sorry if you don't agree with the questions but just because you don't agree doesn't mean that that answer doesn't make sense for the movie like we get exactly we get the answer of race heritage or her parent her lineage basically from like who her parents are just because you don't like that answer doesn't mean that, that doesn't make sense for the story like just one example of that statement like just because you exactly. you think she should be a Skywalker doesn't mean that her being a nobody doesn't make sense. So, like... Exactly. And, like, with <laughs> yeah, and like with that, like, I will say, like, I did want to talk about this before we wrap up Force Awakens, in that, like, there, Finn's role in Force Awakens is very interesting in terms of how he was marketed in Force Awakens versus how his storyline actually plays out in force awakens and then therefore in the last jedi and there is definitely something to be said that like it's not great to use like your first you know main black character who you have had on like posters and trailers and everything holding this lightsaber and like making the audience think that he's going to be a Jedi before the movie comes out and then only to turn out that, like, that's basically just all to throw you off from the fact that a white woman is actually the Jedi. Like, that is, like, there's definitely, you know, that's not a great move. I understand what they were trying to do, but, like, you have to especially be, you know thinking about things like that with especially when you're working with you know people of color and characters of color especially when you know we don't have a lot of those in the galaxy far far away unfortunately and so there is something to be said for that but if you look at Finn's story 
just within not not thinking about the like production real world lens of it but just looking at finn's story through both force awakens and the last jedi there are people who think that like because finn didn't end up actually being a jedi that he is a less important character to the overall story and is less of a hero because of that and that his story arc through the two movies that we've seen so far is like doesn't matter as much at all and like i mean it's star wars of course you're always gonna have you know this aspect of the force and it's going to be an important part of the story but finn is just as much of a hero being a stormtrooper who leaves and then joins the rebellion and like has his own journey of how he gets to a point where he wants to like actively fight against the first order and like he he he's his own hero in his own right in his own story and him not having the force doesn't take anything away from that yeah 100% I agree completely, Um, as is the catchphrase, or however I normally say it. Um, But yeah, I I love this movie. I love it so much. Um, And I literally cannot wait to talk about The Last Jedi. Um, And I also have... (laughs) <laughs> fun talking about the last Jedi. I feel like like I know that we've been doing like just the chaotic part of me like because literally we haven't done this for any other episode but the chaotic part of me just wants to split it up into multiple episodes like for no reason in particular just to like for no, just for our own self-indulgence to be like we're just gonna take we're just gonna for our podcast into, we're just gonna take the last Jedi like 10 minutes at a time and do like 30 episodes on the last jedi be like literally people are like okay like i used to love a star wars story podcast but i think they've gone a little overboard with the last jedi content right um yeah like and also like i just ignore all of the like rise of skywalker like resistance (laughs) premieres on sunday like mandalorian comes out next month we just ignore all of that we stop reporting on any star wars news and just break down the last jedi yeah literally okay guys welcome to our 25th installment talking about the last jedi (laughs) like literally like just so many episodes um yeah tweet us if you want like a 30 part installment about the last jedi um 30 part installment yes or no let us know in the comments below (laughs) yeah please comment um but yeah thank you for listening to this episode of us talking about uh, the Force Awakens and everything we love, everything things that I'm that people might have been confused about, namely me and just not understanding the movie the first time I watched it when I was like brain dead essentially and super tired. Um, ten out of ten would not recommend, even though it was like a really fun experience, but it was just a lot to handle. I'll say that. Um, but. I, yeah, it was, it was, 
it was a lot and i i love this movie but yeah the first experience the first time i watched it will definitely be memorable just because i was like so tired um but obviously now i like have a good grasp of everything in the movie thank goodness um but i i don't i think someone i think one of my friends might have sent it to me um which was a screenshot of our itunes reviews and it's kind of a mixed bag right now. So if you are listening and you haven't left us a review on iTunes, please go leave us a five-star review. And if you, like, actually leave us, like, a review review, like, if you type it out, we'll read it on the podcast. So please go do that. Um, it, like, really helps us. Like, it really helps our visibility. Um, and it helps more people find us. And... Like, invites more people to the conversation, and that's ultimately what we want to do with this podcast, is create a conversation between Star Wars fans. So, um, yeah, if you haven't done that, do it, and we'll read it out loud. Yes, please do. Um, We also have our Patreon. Um, As always, you can find us at patreon.com slash a Star Wars story podcast. Um, And I'd like to shout out to all of our patrons. We have Fetmatic, Greg, Jonathan, Kayla, Meg, Nick, Carla, and Kathy G. We are so grateful for all of your support. Um, you can find us on at ASWS underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also email us at um, a Star Wars story podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can send us any, any questions, any responses. Um, just You can reach out to us on there. Um, my Twitter is Brooklyn Bound and the O's are zero. So it's B-R-0-0-K-L-Y-N-B-0-U-N-D. And my Twitter is at Delaney Organa. If you don't know how to spell Delaney, it's D-E-L-A-N-I-E. Organa spelled how you would spell it normally. Um, so yeah, come follow us on Twitter. Come have a conversation with us about Star Wars. Come see... Honestly, what it's really going to be is just us shitposting about various things, if we're being, like, completely honest. But you're more than welcome to come and engage us about Star Wars um, and talk to us about Star Wars. Um, I, like, haven't been super active, but I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. I'm just, like, mentally very tired, so I don't (laughs) have the energy for it right now. Um... And I don't think that's going to change as we get closer to the rise of Skywalker, but I hope to be a little bit active. But thank you for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. And as always, may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.